the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station's owners or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking money, talking fast cars and women, room, room, room. No, that's not what I do. I talk money. I don't talk fast cars. If there's anyone who knows nothing about fast cars, it's me. And I even know less about women than I know about fast cars. That's me on my big wheel in kindergarten. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A couple top stories today. Housing starts paused after hefty gains, but permits soared. LeBron James and Stephen Curry, um, they are totally different types of NBA brands. And you should study brands, because it'll help you become a better investor. The NBA Finals have drawn a best-yet 20 million viewers, a 15% jump above last year's 17.8 million uh, viewers for the Miami-San Antonio series. Student loan debt is growing. The class of 2015 will leave college with more than a degree. They're going to leave college with about $35,000 in debt. Fitbit IPO hits the Wall Street today. Uh, that's interesting of note because I think everyone's looking at the Apple Watches. What's that going to do to Fitbit and Jawbone? Um, it's got better health tracking statistics. And I wear a Jawbone Up band. Because I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. I've got loads and loads of money. I've got bookshelves filled with books that smell of rich mahogany. I'm very um, important. So my little tracker tells me when I get my 10,000 steps in for the day, and I feel good about that. And if I get 9,700 steps a day, I'm like, oh, I'm a bad, bad donkey. Uh, millionaires. I'm a bad donkey. Hello, fellow donkey. Uh, millionaires control about 41% of the nation's wealth. Um, that's bad news if you want to see a shrinking of the gap between the wealthy and the non-wealthy. It's good news for me because I'm said millionaire, and women dig 
guys with money. So I'm still relevant. I still have game. I know you're saying, you're so sexist. Women don't dig guys with money. Oh, 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 oh. contraire, mon frere. Um, that's French, you know. I know multiple languages. I like the way you uh, say that. I'll be back in uno momentero. I know multiple languages. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talking major decisions that can affect your retirement. Um, this seems pretty obvious, like not saving enough money, so you're living off Social Security. Are we talking that kind of major decision? Yeah, I mean, there's a good article at USA News Money site, and um, one of the biggest ones, you and I talk about it all the time, is is when you start saving. And an example that it, when you run the numbers, what I typically see is if a person gets out of college or starting a job at 22 to 25, they can save 10% of pay technic- typically if they have a bit of a retirement match on their 401k, like 4%, and they'll be able to retire at 65 with the same type of a lifestyle in most cases. If you start saving when you're 45, in other words, you've enjoyed your lifestyle, you're buying all these depreciating assets, your favorite cars, your boats, you're swapping houses and spouses and things like that, and you don't start until you're 45 years old, you have nothing saved up, yep. you're going to have to save 25% of pay in order to get to that same point that only 10% if you would have started a couple of decades earlier. So compound and time is on your side. I mean, that means you're you're actually decreasing your lifestyle at the age of 45 to have a decreased lifestyle at the age of 65. So you have to get on board with the idea you got to pay yourself first at an early age. Okay, so... Let's talk a little bit more on some of these decisions. And I think one of the toughest things that people have is taking a decision. Like, we all come up with these great ideas, like, I'm going to make X amount of money. I'm going to save X amount of money. I'm going to budget X amount of ways. But then taking action is actually probably the toughest part of financial planning. Yeah, it is. I mean, you kind of have to have one you know, week and day a month to concentrate on your financial plan, whether that's tracking your, your budget through – a mint.com or some of the other sites that do that. I think you mentioned one recently that you've, you've found similar to mint. Yeah. It's called uh, level level. Um, and that, you know, you've got to go in you've got to itemize your expenses so you can track your expenses, see where you're spent spending too much, see where you can cut and be able to save because so many people, these, you know, 20 and 30 somethings are still giving up their 401k match. They think that the system is broken because of the bubbles that we've gone through yeah. They are scared to save because they fear about things like high-frequency trading that they think makes a difference in the long run, and it doesn't. I mean, not taking advantage of the 401k match is death to your retirement. I understand that. And, you know, I can give you a perfect example where my brother Michael, who's 18 months older than me, he made a decision in the early 90s when there was a thrift and saving loans crisis um, that the banks were failing that he wanted out of the stock market. So he cashed out, cashed out his 401k, and he missed the, the 20-year bull run. Yeah, the eight-year run that was unbelievable to in the 90s. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, we had another dip in 2000, and he probably was feeling pretty smart, like, ha-ha, I got out 10 years ago. And only to be at this point in time, he's going to work till the day he dies because of that decision. Yeah, it is. And then the same people that cash out their 401K. Here, here's what's been typical lately. People cash out their 401K down to get it, take advantage of the low rates on their loans so they can get into a house that they can barely afford. So they cash out their 401K. And they get 20% tax withholding, and they think that's it. Then they go buy the house, and then April 15th comes around, and they've got another huge you know, double-digit number, thousands of dollars that they have to come up with to pay Uncle Sam. And you can't go bank- bankrupt with Uncle Sam. Yeah, and what you mean by that is 
when you owe them X amount of dollars, you will eventually pay them X amount of dollars. They will put liens on your house. They will put liens on your paycheck. They will get that money. Re- liens on your IRA. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah, because they, they can lean, put a lien on your IRA, and they can force you to pull the money out of it to pay the taxes, and you'll avoid the 10% penalty, but you still have to pay the taxes on the money that they lien. So it's like this ongoing ballooning problem. Does that lien get a uh, grade of A? <laughs> Would you invest in liens? Oh, there's a lot of people that invest in the tax lien situation. And the thing Shady. Is, I will never invest in anything where who I'm investing with prints their own statement. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I totally know what you mean, but most of our listeners, not most of our listeners, but there's a large ignorant swath of people out there. It's like uh, uh, private REITs, too. Here, our, sh- our share price is $10 a share. We don't know how we came up with that, but here you go. It's $10 a share. And now you're seeing the Wells REIT 1, Wells REIT 2, and they've, they've gone public, and you can see where people are disappointed with their returns and private REITs. I wouldn't touch private REITs at all. With that said, that's CFB Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Shake Shack shares up 250% since its May IPO. Papa Murphy's up 80% since its May 2014 IPO. The granddaddy of trendy fast foods, Chipotle, it's trading 14 times the price that it was initially offered in 2006. Why did McDonald's spin off Chipotle? That brings up a big question. I'm not sure what that question is, but it brings up a good question. Why did Mike? Why did McDonald's spin off Chipotle? They would have made shareholders a ton more money if they kept it. Maybe not. Maybe the company wouldn't have grown as they did. I have another question. Why use Kate Upton in every commercial break for Clash of Clans? You can't get through one commercial break of any sporting event without seeing Kate Upton. Not that I'm complaining. I just, I, I don't know why she's legendary. She's legendary like the Clash of Clans, which is the worst game of all time. And if you're playing it, you're a monkey. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The Cavs and Warriors basketball series in the finals is fun to watch from a distance. Um, I'm not that much of a basketball fan. I want the home team to win. In large part so that people at work will talk to each other and say nice things. So that the pudgy guy who no one ever talks to gets a compliment from the hot weather girl. I like your shirt. Um, it's hard to imagine how I'm going to take this and make this into a financial statement. But the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, dominant player King James. 
um, Shaquille O'Neal, dominant player. Do you want to build your portfolio around a dominant player? Maybe you have Apple in your portfolio, and it suddenly becomes 50% of your portfolio, or 60%, or 70%, or 80%, and it continues to do pretty good, all things considered, right? Or do you want to build your portfolio around a team where, yeah, Steph Curry is important, even vital, but he's had a lot of help, a lot of mixing and matching, highly unorthodox ways of looking for a way to speed the game, gave basically Steve Kerr, you know, that was his insight into how to make a better team. Kerr switched Andre Iguodala, who would come off the bench for most of the season to a starting role for the wins, basically in games four and five. Just, you know, change things up. Um, Kerr has essentially benched his big men with the starting backup centers, logging only three minutes in game five. I think, you know, your portfolio needs to have some European exposure. And maybe that's your big men. Or maybe it's the S&P 500, large cap companies. Maybe it's, you know, the small cap companies in the United States where I spoke earlier about things like Capital One, where it doesn't have exposure to foreign markets. It has exposure to domestic jobs and people getting paid a little bit more here and there. And you get a lot of advertising. You see that guy who was in the movie tell you, BAM! You need this credit card. You're like, I, I, I need that credit card. There's better credit cards than the Capital One. But that's not a bad one, the cash back one. They have 1.5%. But there's one that pays 2% back. Same deal. You know, you have to have good credit to get it. But same deal. No annual fees. Same deal. 2% cash back. Um, so you need a portfolio that, again, could it be all Apple, i.e. King James? Or he's done great. You know, if you lose in the NBA Finals, you're not really a loser, are you? I'd be pretty proud to play in the NBA Finals. And now, coming off the bench, number six on your program, number one in your heart, Rob Black. Um, I play like 10 seconds. Woo! You don't think I'd put that on my resume? I was married to a Playboy model for under a year. She cheated on me with another guy. Well, she didn't cheat. She just was email cheating. Um, you don't think I tell people that story? Like, woo! Look at this. This is what I used to be married to. If I played for one second in the NBA Finals, I'd like, I played in the NBA Finals. Um, anyway, so your portfolio needs to be very similar um, to an NBA team or a baseball team. I like the baseball team analogy better, but right now my San Francisco Giants are sucking it up, so uh, it's tough to talk lovingly about baseball. You need a first baseman who can hit. Because first baseman is a pretty easy position to play. Same thing with third. All things considered. Uh, shortstop, a little bit tougher. So he doesn't have to hit. You need a catcher who can throw people out or a catcher who can hit. One or the other. Your portfolio needs to be a team. You can't just have all tech stocks. As much as you want them, you can't. Um, and having your stock you know, skewed towards the company that you work for is stupid. They already pay your income. 
which pays for your mortgage, which pays for your disability insurance, which pays for your insurance, which pays for your car, which pays for... Um, so I don't like the King James approach. I prefer the Golden State approach. If that helps you in any way, shape, or form. 800-516-1220. Like, for instance, I don't think it'd be that hard for us to come up with a portfolio. Uh, you could say Starbucks, ooh, it's overpriced. Starbucks' biggest fear are millennials. What's happening to McDonald's and what's happening to, like, Chipotle is the biggest fear that Starbucks has, is that people wise up to the fact that it's pretty good coffee, but we can make more glamorous coffee. We can make sexier coffee. We can roast it in the store the moment you walk in. Fresh roasted. I don't even know what that means. But if I was told it was good, I'd be like, I'm going to the fresh roasting place, not Starbucks. They roasted theirs yesterday. UPS is planning to end certain holiday season discounts for shippers on big objects. That means you and me are going to lose because we'll have to pay more for shipping. The rise in the CFO, Fred Shamo. If my last name was Shamo, I'd probably change my last name. He said the company has no desire to either sell at the Huffington Post after it completes its deal to buy AOL. Goldman Sachs is planning to start an online consumer loan business. Um, basically, they're looking at what's happening with Kickstarter and crowdfunding. And Goldman Sachs is like, we need to be there. Otherwise, we may become obsolete. Etsy. Etsy. They're looking to launch a crowdsourcing, crowdfunding service, allowing sellers to raise money on the craft retailer's website. Service may be launched as soon as today. Cody. If you're ugly, you know Cody because they make beauty products. They're on the verge of completing a deal to buy three businesses from Procter & Gamble for about $12 billion. Procter & Gamble is in the process of selling a number of its beauty-related businesses, of which I am ugly, because I wear makeup when I'm on TV. And the funny thing is, I don't take it off till I get to the gym, and I walk into the gym, and people look at me like, dude's wearing makeup. What's up with that? You look like a uh, succulent baby lamb. I love baby lambs. When I see a baby lamb, I, I think succulent. Walmart is the subject of a complaint filed with the IRS. The Coalition of Labor Groups accuses the retailer's Walmart Foundation of violating its tax-exempt status through its donations. The group said the donations were made to mute opposition to expansion efforts in key markets. Toyota. Shareholders approved the creation of a new class of stock. That new class of stock will not be listed and must be held for five years. After that period, shareholders will have the option of converting them into common stock. Gap's going to close about 250 stores, about 25% of its stores. Why? Because fast fashion like Zara and H&M are dominating retail right now. And Gap can't move fast enough. Their stores are empty. H&M, not empty. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting the show. Take a break. We'll be right back.
Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Strategist, Briefing.com. Patrick, are you ecstatic that the Chicago Blackhawks won their third Stanley Cup? In no doubt about years? it. A little tired this morning, but uh, I think the joy of watching that happen uh, can uh, override any tiredness today. <laughs> we have the same thing going on here with our San Francisco Giants. We're winning a lot of World Series, and it's kind of joyous. So yes, it's good to be it a Chicago Blackhawks fan today. Bad for your health, though, because you don't get much sleep. <laughs> I hear that. With that out there, um, how about the stock market? Should we just go away because it's summertime? <laughs> um, you know, it kind of appears that way, certainly, but um, but I guess you could take that all the way back to the start of the year. There just hasn't been a whole lot of uh, continuity to things, right? You know, you've had a lot of chop, um, and uh, now that you run into these summer months and uh, you're in that kind of like that – that dead zone right now between the end of a reporting earnings reporting period and the the start of the next earnings reporting period, um, and you have these kind of these overhanging geopolitical issues there, and everyone's just sort of in this this wait and see mode, and um, you know vacations call for a lot of people, and so volumes thin out a bit, and you just kind of get this sideways uh, action that uh, doesn't give anyone any real good sense of where things might be headed. What's the underlying? driver right now? Is it Greece? Is it fundamentals? Is it valuations? What would you say if you were to come up with like a top three list? Yeah. Um, do, do I get all of the above as an answer? Uh, sure. I, uh, you know, I think that uh, obviously, you know, you have the Federal Open Market Committee uh, meeting this week, um, today, as a matter of fact, and we'll have their decision tomorrow. Um, the central issue for the market this year has been, you know, when is the Fed going to raise interest rates? Um, and that's going to continue to be with us here. Uh, the Fed's not going to be raising interest rates tomorrow, uh, but Mark will clearly be looking for some signals or some insight as to whether it sounds as if it's on track to raise rates before the uh, before the end of the year. Um, I think the Fed really, really, really wants to do that, um, but it continues to pin itself down with its data-dependent nature. Uh, and <clears throat> because you've got employment data that says they should go <clears throat> and inflation data that says they should stay. Um, so, um, so it's a really tough, close call right now in terms of when they might do something. But And then beyond that, of course, you have the uncertainty going on in, in Greece and you know what that might ultimately mean. No one really knows because we've never had this issue of having to deal with the potential of a country getting you know kicked out of the Eurozone. Um, and so that creates some volatility given the uncertainty there. And, and then you throw in the fact, you know, when you look at fundamentals, yeah, I mean, the valuation on the S&P 500 is above its historical average right now at a point when interest rates are at historic lows and inflation is quite low. And yet both of those factors seem to be looking as if they're going to press higher. And so people are somewhat reluctant to pay up, you know, even more for every dollar of earnings now with the S&P 500 multiple being where it is. What are some other stories that are kind of like starting to bubble or percolate um, as far as you see on Wall Street that might be important down the road? Um, well, you know, one thing, you know, might be away from Wall Street really and goes back over to Europe. Um, you know, we kind of have seemingly forgotten about Russia and Ukraine. And, um, you know, there was supposed to be a ceasefire that was to remain intact. And that, that hasn't happened. And, um, you know, it's sort of this, this simmering issue there while everyone's 
fixated on what's going on in Greece, and you know, and there's potential for that to flare up at just an inopportune time. Um, you know, the market's got a lot to consider right now, and if you get this uh, Russia-Ukraine situation heating up to a point where it creates a whole new concern about you know geopolitical problems, um, that can be one more uh, factor thrown into the mix that upsets things right now. But um, and then. You know, obviously, uh, not to get too deep into it, you've got the uh, Supreme Court decision coming up in terms of uh, the Obamacare ruling, uh, which could come as early as this week, as to whether um, um, you know people are still going to be able to be subsidized uh, that uh, don't have you know state-run exchanges, and uh, and if Supreme Court rules. Uh, in favor of the plaintiffs in that case, it could create uh, a setback for the, um, you know, for the healthcare sector, which has been the best performing area for so long here. Um, and so that's something that's going to be uh, uh, obviously worth watching here over the very near term, because that will then fly into um, the whole presidential campaigning uh, issue that's starting to crank up as well. You brought up uh, healthcare being such a great performing sector. One thing that I've seen in IPOs in the last year. Tell me if I'm just seeing this in a funny way. It seems like restaurants are all coming IPO. Mm-hmm. A lot of restaurants are IPO, and, and they're doing really, really well. Any insights into why that's happening or what's happening there? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, Rob, um, we touched on this a little bit last week when we started talking somewhat about the, the millennial factor, right? Um, okay. There's a secular trend unfolding, I think, that um, you know, it has been unfolding really for the for some time now with the rise of dual-income households, but then millennials who are independent um, and, you know, we've seen them be slow to have, you know, household formation, but uh, they tend to, you know, the, it sounds as if they're spending what they earn and and the, the desire and the um, need, if you will, to eat out um, continues to pick up for that demographic as well as it does for busy dual-income households. And so it plays into the strengths of some of these quick, casual restaurants that are trying to offer healthier offerings, healthier food offerings uh, at somewhat affordable prices that are, are hitting a, um, a reasonable price point here for millennials and, and families, you know, that uh, where both parents are working. And so, um, so yeah, I think that there is there is something to that story, but, um, you know, I haven't followed it all that closely in terms of the specific names, but you do have to be careful in all cases that, you know, you're not just picking up a stock that's part of a fad. You want to make sure that, um, you know, it is a really good, strong growth story like we've seen in, in, in a company like Chipotle, which is, uh, continues to resonate there for, uh, for consumers. So the back half of this year looks a lot like it's set up to be similar to the back half of 2014, where employment slightly improved, the economy mostly improved. Is that the backdrop that you're seeing, or are you seeing maybe a shakeup that I'm not seeing? You know, I mean, it Things should should move in that direction. You're right. I mean, what we're seeing in the employment trends uh, would would seemingly bode well for a pickup in consumer spending, a pickup in business investment, um, and uh, and the fact that you've got you know mortgage rates creeping up here. You might see um, you know more interest in housing as people you know get a little concerned about the uh, interest rate picture getting a, getting away from them and trying to get into that house that. Uh, before rates go too high. Um, and then you still have the impact of low energy prices that's going to flow through in the second half of the year. So the ingredients are there for a pickup, but, you know, uh, it's been somewhat inexplicable at times because uh, we've talked about this in past years, and you just haven't seen that real, you know, acceleration in economic activity. And so 
but the ingredients are there, and you just kind of have to continue to watch the data as the Fed is going to do, uh, and we'll see what happens. Anything else that you're working on that we need to be aware of? Any of your articles that you're writing for briefing.com that you could leak a little information, a little research on? Well, I'm, I'm going to be probably focused on the Federal Open Market Committee uh, this you know, okay. this week. I have to be <laughs> the market analyst. Um, I did recently update the briefing.com market view, uh, which was published uh, last Friday. Um, I left that unchanged. It's uh, unfortunately not too scintillating because I'm essentially uh, looking for a, c- a continued you know, low positive return for the S&P 500 this year, but just not buying into a picture of strong returns when taking into account that uh, underlying earnings per share growth is expected to be pretty weak and almost nothing this year. If you were an investor, and I'm assuming you are an investor, would your advice be geared, because this, this is what I'm throwing out there, I'm looking for some value, some domestic value, i.e. stocks in America that will benefit from the improving economy, for instance, one of the stocks that I've recently not fallen in love with, but I've started seeing myself looking into is a company like Capital One, credit card company, U.S.-based, financial, not going to take too much risk, lends money to the consumer. The consumer has a job. Like The story for me is pretty good. It's got a decent valuation, and uh, they certainly market the heck out of the cards, right? Yeah. Um, are you looking for value, and do you even want to comment on what I said because you don't have to? Well, you know, I think there's something to that that U.S.-centric theme. Um, You know, you're going to see multinationals continue to get clipped here by the strong dollar as far as the the pace of their earnings growth is concerned. But if you're going to, you know, uh, subscribe to the idea that the U.S. economy is going to pick up here, um, then it should benefit U.S.-centric companies like, you know, Capital One that you're referring to. You can also throw in some of, like, the dollar stores, um, some of the drug stocks, or, um, excuse me, the drugstore stocks. Uh, things like that, a number of the regional banks, um, you know, those are areas that if that's an appealing theme to you that you certainly do want to factor in uh, and and look to allocate money into those areas. Anything else you want to comment on? we got about one minute. Um, gosh, um, you know, I'm just going to have to continue to continue to watch what's going on with Greece here. I think that, you know, we uh, the market is 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 somewhat underestimating the potential for Greece to upset the apple cart here, and we don't like it when the market gets uh, too complacent over anything, but uh, that's an issue not to forget here because that's going to come to a head real soon. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare. You can find him at briefing.com, market strategist. Um, analyst as well, takes a look at the job market on a regular basis, takes a look at the stock market, kind of tries to put the puzzle together for we the listener and or the reader i read his page one every morning to start my day you can find it at briefing.com it's patrick o'hare with briefing.com
Troy Aikman, former Dallas Cowboy, Dallas Cowboy quarterback. Is that the right way of saying that? Sure. Uh, he made more money cashing out his Wingstop stock than during his first years in the National Football League. Dun da dun da da da. Um. Okay, so what did I just say? He made about six million dollars in his first couple years playing. And he says in an interview that he made more money selling his Wingstop stock than he did in his first couple years as a starter in the NFL. In 2003, three years after retiring from his professional football career, Aikman signed on as a spokesman for Wingstop. At that point, the Dallas-based chicken wing chain had just 133 restaurants. It now has 712 plus and growing. It was a natural fit, so says Aikman. He said he'd meet teammates there on Thursday nights. That sounds odd to me. Aikman was paid $306,000 by the chicken chain in fees and compensation. He was also awarded $40,000, 40,000 vested stock options and 20,000 unvested stock options. The company comes public. It's a home run. Twitter. An analyst cut its rating on Twitter to neutral from buy, saying it sees no catalyst for short-term improvement in sentiment, although it still believes Twitter has long-term potential. It's kind of interesting. I think you're ugly, and I don't like you right now, but in the future I might like you. Right? That's kind of what they're saying. Um, it's just covering your back. It's... Like all the movies from the 1980s and 1990s where there was an ugly girl who was the best friend of the good-looking hunk who won it, the cheerleader. Invest in the ugly girl with glasses. She's going to be hot by the end of the show. So, uh, just my opinion. So Twitter is losing their CEO. And Jack Dorsey, who I absolutely hate, he's good-looking, he's an engineer, he's worth billions, and he dates a supermodel. Dates. Dates. Like, I would walk around and, like, prep a supermodel. If she says, I need my hair done, I'd like, I'm on it. I got this for you. Um, Twitter's at 33 bucks a share. It's had a rough year. Um, it's gone nowhere in the last year, and it's kind of breaking down. When you take a look at Twitter, it's got a $22 billion market cap, and you go, what the what? It's worth $22 billion, and people don't like this company? Say what? Yes. It's got a PE in the future of about 50. Whereas you take a look at Facebook, and Facebook has a PE um, in the future of about 30. So you can buy Facebook, you can buy Twitter. Uh, now, that's just price to earnings, you know, one year away from now. When you take a look at the market caps, they're significantly different companies. So Twitter, much smaller. Facebook, much, much, much larger. I own shares of Facebook, for the record. I should legally disclose that on occasion. Um, but it, it brings up questions, right? No new v developments in between Greece and their creditors. Boring. I'm tired of that story, and yet that story will not go away. It's like a zombie. 
I loved the Price is Right as a kid. Do you remember, like, just watching the Price is Right? You had the fabulous women revealing the prizes. You had Bob Barker, greatest game show host of all time. You had the contestants that, you know, you were kind of... The person that would do a dollar, you loved that person. And then someone would come in and say, two dollars, and basically screw the person out of, of luck who did one dollar. Uh, I love those people. Anyway... Come on down. You know, I had a fantasy of being on Prices Right as a kid, and I had a fantasy of my family being on... Uh... Does anyone know any families that have ever been on Family Feud? I don't know one family that's ever been on it, like, personally. Do people go on that show and then never talk about it again? Or... Because that's been on forever, right? Does anyone know? If you know... Does anyone know someone who's ever been on Family Feud a family? Email me, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I don't know anyone that ever has. So if anyone knows how to, to, you know, get me on, I would so love to do that. I'd be the best contestant ever. I could totally play it up. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Fitbit IPO came public today. Um, they're profitable. They recorded $100 million in net income on $745 million in revenue. Uh, I use a Jawbone up. I'm waiting for the Apple Watch to get better or for better product out there. In about two to three years, I think they will be perfected to the point that they'll have really good information about your heart and your heart rate. And I don't want to die. So knowing if I have a heart attack coming would be useful information. Um, Of course, it's probably going to be coming when I'm in the shower and don't have the monitor on, right? Gap's closed at 175 stores. Um, there used to be a day and age where your competitor was your the company right next to you in the mall. Now your competitor is a bunch of apps, and it's tough to compete with real-world stores. When your competitors are apps, they have a problem. 800-516-1220 to get calls on the air. Corning got an upgrade today. They make TV displays and phone displays. Uh, they're going to benefit from the upcoming upgrade cycle in 4K sets, so says an analyst. I can make that case. I see that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com